0: From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air.
1: Should I consider getting a second booster? Are you simply protected from further infection by Omicron? Like a a lab test that would tell what your immunity status is? Uh, We've had two years of COVID. Does it still look like this will resolve? Like the 1918 influenza pandemic. I'm
0: wondering, kind of, what the recommendations are for subsequent boosters in people with polyethylene glycol allergy.
1: Sorry to break the bad news, but we usually have a new flu pandemic every 10 to 15 years. Oh, no. (laughs) Sorry, Uh, the last one was in 2009.
0: I'm Sarah Fenske. America is turning the corner on the Omicron phase of the pandemic. Case counts are dropping in the St. Louis area, in Missouri and Illinois, and across the US. So what comes next? How do we live with this sometimes deadly virus all around us? And how do we make sure we never get ourselves into a jam like this again? Well, my guest today has some answers. Dr. Sarah George is an Associate Professor of Infectious Diseases at St. Louis University. Dr. George, welcome. Welcome, thank you very much. So
1: Dr. George, can we breathe a sigh of relief now that Omicron numbers are are plummeting? Well, we definitely can. The numbers, as you say, are coming down very quickly now, which is excellent. Uh, And we can hope for the best going forward. It all depends on whether or not we get a new variant, and nobody knows the answer to that one yet.
0: What's your prediction on this? I mean, do you think a, a new variant is likely? I won't say likely. I will say it's possible. Okay. And the way that this could play out, let's go with the best case scenario first. Let's say we don't get a new variant. Does this mean we're kind of at the end of the road? We can just move on from
1: this, go about what used to be normal life? Well, Uh, we very much hope that for everybody, if and true we do not get another variant and we have enough people vaccinated that we are protected from any new variants that we might get. Um, This virus will continue to circulate to some extent, so people who are elderly and with weak immune systems may continue to need boosters periodically, but that is all still to be determined. Um, But for healthy people, younger adults, and so on, if we don't get a new variant... Uh, If we're lucky, uh, maybe we'll be through the worst.
0: So I want to talk about that booster question in some depth in a minute here. But I want to go then to the worst case scenario. This is journalism. We have to we have to ponder (laughs) the worst case scenario. Let's say we do get a new variant. And this is maybe a variant that's much worse than Omicron was how could that play out at this point? I mean, we have a lot of vaccinated people. We also have, in Missouri, we have a
1: ton of people who've gotten this virus already. Does that give us some protection? Well, uh, we do have a lot of vaccinated people in the United States now. Two-thirds of adults are vaccinated, which is wonderful. Uh, We still need more people to get vaccinated. The having the infection naturally, unfortunately, does not always protect you and does not always protect you very well. Uh, It just varies a lot from person to person. But some people, even with an infection, seem to mount a fairly weak immune response. You get a much better uh, immune response from the vaccine. So the vaccine is actually better than having contracted this overall. Yes, it is. Um, When our immune system sees the whole virus, it kind of tends to chase shiny objects, so to speak, uh, parts of the virus that don't really protect you if you make an immune response to it. Um, So your actual antibodies to the parts of the virus that you really want to make an immune response to to protect you those are in the vaccine. And so even people who've been infected, like me, uh, still need the vaccine, still need the booster, and the vaccine gives you better protection. Okay. So do we know how long it's going to
0: give us protection? I I know both of us here are boosted. Um, Can we count on that being
1: good for another year? Well, maybe. And again, it all depends on whether or not we get a new variant. You know, these variants are popping up on us and you know, they're on us pretty quickly when they happen. We hadn't even heard of Omicron till Thanksgiving, and now it's the end of February, and the wave is pretty well passed through. Um, so the immunity, to some extent, will be lasting for years, but is it going to be at the necessary threshold going forward? That's something we still just don't know sure, for sure yet. So we imagine many of you have questions about where
0: we're at, how we got here, where we go next. Um, we're interested in hearing from you, and, and uh, Dr. George is, is willing to try to answer those questions. You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL air, or you can email us at stlpr.org. So there's a lot of questions about these, these vaccines, how long they're going to last, how long the immunity they create will continue. And I know a lot of this comes down to future variants, but it seems like the possibility of a future variant, this could shake out in any number of ways. Are these current vaccines good enough for what we're going to need going forward?
1: Um, well, we still don't know the answer to that one fully. We are doing ongoing studies at St. Louis University and other places Uh, where basically we have people who have been vaccinated and we're measuring their immunity over time. And right now we can say as of this time, the people who've been vaccinated and boosted, um, who were, you know, pretty healthy to begin with, seem to be doing fine. Whether or not their antibody levels or other immune levels uh, will decrease over time and they may need boosters down the road. We still just don't know yet, but that's why we have these ongoing studies and that's why they're important to do.
0: So this uh, this vaccine, they had to move pretty quickly to get this out there. There were a lot of people suffering very heavily from COVID-19. Is this vaccine the be all end all of coronavirus vaccines? Is it possible that there's something we could de- develop now that we're able to take this deep breath, things are somewhat under control, that this would be a better vaccine, more capable of handling the various variants that we all know are in a possibility.
1: Well, uh these mRNA-based vaccines like the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine, for example, you know, they're very easy to modify if we need to modify them against another variant. In fact, the companies actually made vaccines specifically against Delta and Omicron, though we ended up not needing to use them at least not yet. Mm-hmm. Um And these mRNA vaccines are very attractive for other diseases and other pathogens. So we're now working on mRNA vaccines against other different viruses, like uh, respiratory syncytial virus, for example, um, because they give you a lot of immunity, they work very well, and they're really quite safe. Hmm. I'm going to go to the phone lines. And if
0: you're interested in joining this conversation, again, we're at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Susan is calling from Swansea. Susan, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Hi. My question is, can our immunity and therefore our need for more boosters be determined by having titers drawn occasionally? I'm sorry, Susan, by having what drawn occasionally? Titers like a a lab test that would tell what your immunity status is?
1: Well that's an excellent question and right now the tests that we have to use to measure the best parts of immunity, they're called neutralizing antibodies, uh, really have to be done in research labs. So if you get a COVID antibody test that's commercially available right now, which you could get in a lot of different places, Um, All that tells you is that you do have some immunity, but it doesn't actually tell you that you're protected or how protected you are. Maybe over time we can develop these, you know, rapid, they're called point-of-care tests, where you could get a more specific readout. We don't have that technology available yet commercially. Maybe it'll come. Susan, thank you for that question. Thank you.
0: Um, so, Dr. George, it's interesting hearing you talk about this, you know, that you can even test, like, what's going on within our blood. There have been so many developments since COVID first burst onto the scene. I can't believe it was almost <laughs> two full years ago at this point that we became be, became aware of just how serious this was going to be for this country. Uh, there's now so many new treatments for COVID-19 that are out there, and they've been brought to market at this point. Do you think that will make a big difference in how
1: we have to handle this going forward, the fact that there might be a pill that people can just take after they've been exposed? Uh, Yes, as we get new treatments and even, as you say, preventive treatments, um, that will certainly make this a lot easier to handle. Uh, As you know, we now have some antiviral pills out there. They're still in somewhat limited supply. Um, But as we build up the supply, you know, that you can give those particular to people who are high risk, who get exposed or test positive, and hopefully prevent them from ever actually getting ill or certainly staying out of a hospital.
0: And do we have a better sense overall than, I don't know, say a year ago of how this virus even works? There were all these odd symptoms, you know, people who lost their uh, smell and taste or COVID toes, things like this. Can we even explain what this virus is doing, even if we have kind of figured out how to treat it?
1: Well, we're learning more and more. Um, unfortunately, it's not all good news. Uh, as you probably saw, there was an item in the news today about increased cardiovascular disease uh, in people who have had COVID. Um, and we think this virus is actually attacking, well, we know it is attacking our blood vessels to some extent. So we're seeing things like uh, blood clots and people getting heart disease and irregular heart rate. Um, so we're learning more and more as we go along but it's it's been uh full of surprises that we were not expecting from a coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, do you think that this, this coronavirus
0: is more surprising than we would expect a coronavirus to be?
1: Uh very definitely. We were not expecting all these other what we would call off-target, so to speak, effects two years ago. We thought, okay, respiratory virus can give you some bad pneumonia um, and sometimes some gastrointestinal symptoms, but all the other things that we've been seeing with blood clots, strokes, cardiovascular disease, kidney issues, we weren't a cut expecting those. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to the phone
0: lines. Deborah is calling from Kirkwood. Deborah, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hi, I'm calling uh, because... I'm in my 60s
1: and I've had the two Pfizer vaccines plus the Pfizer booster, but there's been a lot of talk about a second booster. Uh,
0: should I consider getting a second booster? Deborah, thank, thank, thank you. you for that question.
1: Excellent question. Um, The answer is, unless you have significant immune compromise, you are not recommended to get a second booster yet. Now, it is recommended for people who are organ transplants, have active cancer, uh, significant immune compromise, um, HIV disease, etc., But unless you're in those categories, you are not recommended to get a second booster yet. Now, that may change um, in the next few months. We may recommend that people age over 60 or age over 70 or something like that who are otherwise healthy might need a second booster. But right now, we just do not know yet. Stay tuned.
0: Rita also called in from St. Louis. She shared that she's received varying guidance as to whether people who received the J&J shot should receive a booster. Is there a preferred type of booster that those who got that J&J shot should pursue? And I'm assuming they should be getting that booster if they got that J&J vaccine. There's no question about
1: that. Yes. If you got the J&J vaccine, which is the original one-shot vaccine, you are definitely recommended to get a booster. Uh, You can get anything for a booster. You could get the Pfizer, the Moderna or the J&J. The data are that you might get a slightly stronger response and better immunity if you got either the Pfizer or the Moderna, as opposed to a second J&J. There's probably a slight difference there, but anything will be fine.
0: We're talking today to Dr. Sarah George. She's an associate professor of infectious diseases at St. Louis University, and as she has just demonstrated so ably, capable of answering all kinds of questions about this coronavirus. We're going to take a quick break, This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back. We are talking today to Dr. Sarah George. She's an associate professor of infectious diseases at St. Louis University. And Dr. George, you're, you're so on top of what's happening with this particular disease, but that doesn't mean it's the only thing on your plate right now. Uh, SLU's Center for Vaccine Development is currently seeking participants for a different kind of vaccine trial. What, what are you working on here?
1: Well, we're working on a lot of things, but one of them is a virus called chikungunya, which most people haven't heard of, and that's fine. Um, We do not yet have this virus in St. Louis. Hopefully we'll never get it here, but it is a very nasty mosquito-transmitted disease in the tropics, and it's uh, all over in the Caribbean and the tropical countries, so... Uh, There is no treatment and no vaccine for it, so we want to develop a vaccine against it, and we are doing a clinical trial in um, people ages 12 to 60 uh, looking for any volunteers who might be interested in this trial. Uh, because we do need a vaccine against this particular virus and, frankly, many other diseases out there.
0: So we learned a lot about how these vaccine trials worked during the whole coronavirus thing. How is it that you'll be able to test this out in St. Louis
1: when this is not a virus that is circulating in the St. Louis area? Well, remember, this vaccine, if we do finally get one, is something you'd want to be giving to people who are traveling from St. Louis to the tropics and for our military forces, many of whom have to deploy into tropical regions because that's where a lot of the world's hotspots are. Um, So uh, the way we test it, of course, is we give the vaccine or maybe a placebo Um, And then we ask people and follow them up, see if they're having any symptoms other than, you know, what you normally would get with a shot. Um, And same as we did with the coronavirus vaccine trials, we take their blood and test it for antibodies. And with that, we see whether or not, okay, are they making antibodies? Do they look like they're, you know, good titers, right kind of antibodies, et cetera.
0: So this is less of that real world laboratory that we had during the coronavirus and more of how these things probably typically go.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: So you are looking for participants for that. If people are interested in being a part of that, we have those details at stlonair.show. This is a way you could support uh, the scientific efforts going on at SLU Center for Vaccine Development. You guys work on a whole lot of diseases there. How do you choose which one sort of comes up as as something that you're going to focus on?
1: Well, whenever you have a pandemic emergency, as we did, uh, that obviously becomes priority number one. Um, But there's a lot of things that we need to work on. Chikungunya is one. We're also doing a vaccine trial on yellow fever, which is another tropical mosquito-borne disease. Um, we're also working on uh, respiratory syncytial virus right now, or RSV, which causes very nasty diseases in children, um, but also older adults. So we're looking at a vaccine against that. Um, there's a lot of uh, vaccines out there that we still need. We even need a better flu vaccine. Hmm. And sorry to break the bad news, but we usually have a new flu pandemic every 10 to 15 years. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the last one was in 2009. That means we're due for a new one probably any time in the next five to 10 years. So oh,
0: that you are a bearer of good news today, Dr. George. That just stopped me in my tracks. Uh, Let's go back to the phone lines. Corinne is calling from Maplewood. Uh, Corinne, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hi, I was calling, I had two questions. One is I have a child who's too young to be vaccinated and I'm wondering how careful we still need to be with those kids. Um, And then my other question is that I had an anaphylactic reaction to the first vaccine um, with a polyethylene glycol allergy and I'm wondering kind of, what the recommendations are for subsequent boosters in people with polyethylene glycol allergy.
1: Uh, Corinne, thank you for those questions. Well, those are very good one. Um, so in terms of children who are too young to be vaccinated, fortunately, as the case numbers are declining very quickly now, they're at much lower risk. Um, And again, healthy children—well, you know—they're not there. We certainly have seen children be hospitalized and even sadly die with this disease. uh, Are in general doing much better with adults. So, you know, as um, we the numbers come down, there really probably isn't too much you can do for your child other than, um, you know, wear maybe the child if they're able to and willing wear a mask if they're in a very crowded situation for a long period of time. But again, as the numbers go down, hopefully we can get back to something like normal. Mm. Uh, Polyethylene glycol uh, reaction is definitely something that would be a contraindication to the uh, existing vaccines, uh, certainly at least the mRNA vaccines. I'd have to double check on the Janssen vaccine. Um, I would suggest checking with your doctor if there's something else. If you unfortunately get exposed... You know there are monoclonal antibodies. You can treatments you can take preventively, or if uh, hope it wouldn't happen, you got ill. Um, but because the mRNA vaccines, which are the Pfizer and Moderna at least, use polyethylene glycol. If you had a severe reaction to that, that would be a contraindication. That's something you, you don't want to ignore
0: that. It's not worth it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Corinne, thank you for those questions. I'm sure many people wondering, particularly about the young children, hopefully not many people having those allergies. Um, let's go back to the phone lines. Harry is calling from Washington. Harry, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air.
1: Hey, thank you. I have a question about uh, antibody protection. now For those who have survived uh, either Omicron or Delta uh, infections. Uh, what does an antibody protection mean? Uh, or, are you simply protected from further infection by Omicron or per, from further infection by Delta? if those are the antibodies, or or what goes on? I'm confused about that. Sure. Well, Omicron and Delta are different strains of the virus, but when you get any of the various strains of coronavirus, you do make antibodies to that virus. And again, it varies a lot between person to person, Um, how much antibodies you make and what time and so on. Uh, But if you have antibodies to Omicron or Delta, they will give you at least some cross protection against the other variants that we have seen so far. Um, So I hope that answered your question. Again, people who have been infected should also be vaccinated because the vaccine gives you more antibodies and gives you more of the right type of antibodies. Harry, thank you for that question. Let's go back to the phone lines. Tom is
0: calling from Afton. Tom, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air.
1: Yes, thank you. Uh, doctor, now that uh, uh, we've had two years of COVID, does it still look like this will resolve like the 1918 influenza pandemic? I know there were a lot of comparisons early on. Are those comparisons still valuable at this point, or is it uh, does it have really different characteristics than 1918 influenza.
0: Tom, that's a that's a great question. And I know there's many of us who've read about that that are hopeful that we can mimic that because it felt like that just kind of died out. Uh, Dr. George, is that popular conception of the end of the 19 pandemic? Is that even correct?
1: Well, all right. So the 1919, of course, was a flu virus and not a coronavirus. And actually that virus did kind of die away just because it went around the world three times in about three or four odd years before it finally dissipated because it basically infected everybody it could infect. Um, We may be getting close to that with coronavirus, but probably not just yet. We haven't, the virus hasn't yet infected everybody it could have infected worldwide. Um, That is certainly one scenario, though, that as we get more and more people vaccinated and more and more people who aren't vaccinated go through the infection, most of them will survive, but not all. um, We could get to the point where we have built up enough what is called herd immunity, if you'll pardon the term, uh, where we could have this virus dissipate and go away. But we just don't know that for sure. It, It may be around with us for a good while yet, which is why Again, we really do need people to get vaccinated, and people who are with weak immune systems may need uh, an additional booster, but that remains to be seen yet. So, Dr. George, you're saying we probably shouldn't get ahead of ourselves
0: at this point. You're not, you're not declaring the pandemic over victory, uh, <laughs> none of that. I would love to, and everybody would love to, but that would be premature. So you continue to work on these infectious diseases, Center for Vaccine Development. As you said, you have all sorts of diseases on your, your proverbial plate. The idea of RSV, that would be such a game changer for parents if, if you guys could crack that one. Um, what do you see? It, it, what is the next big thing that you're worried about when it comes to just the globe and what we've just been through? I mean, please tell me this is not going to happen again in another couple of years, that there's some other coronavirus or something like this out there lurking.
1: Well, it's always full of unknowns, which is what keeps infectious diseases exciting. I mean, this was our third coronavirus outbreak in less than 20 years, though far and away the worst. Um, And if you think back, we've had a lot of infectious diseases outbreaks. You know, they hit the media, Zika virus, uh, Ebola back in 2014, uh, and other things before then. In the big picture, you know, we've at least got some idea of what is circulating out there in nature. And we need to just start doing what we're doing, which is making vaccines against what is circulating out there. So we at least have something in the freezer we can pull out if we do get an outbreak of one of these uh, other pathogens that are just circulating out there in nature. We also need a more universal coronavirus vaccine. You know, Harry was talking about what about cross protection between strains? Well, you know, we can look at all the coronavirus vax- virus sequences out there and say, okay, this this and this seems to be conserved between all the viruses. Let's make a vaccine against that and see if that works. So we really need a more universal coronavirus vaccine and Heck, if we're lucky, that might even help protect us against some of the common cold strains. That hmm. wouldn't be bad. That would not be bad at all. So it sounds like people in the infectious
0: disease field, you guys are not taking a break anytime soon. You still have a whole lot on your plate,
1: even as, as Omicron is sort of fading away for us. Well, there's a lot to do, and it's a very diverse and dynamic and uh, active field. Well, we appreciate you
0: making the time to come visit with us today and answer all these questions. This has been great. Uh, Dr. Sarah George, thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here.